My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. It happened that he, as he was speaking, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that fed you. But he replied, more blessed still, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Some commentators like to say that this woman praised our Lord on a human plane, natural plane. But our Lord raised his response onto a supernatural plane. Blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. The one who most heard the word of God and kept it was Our Lady. And so Jesus exalts Our Lady. And so when we make a lot of fuss and give a lot of attention to Our Lady, we're just doing what Jesus did. And today we celebrate the dedication of the Basilica of St. Mary Major in Rome. After the promulgation of the dogma of the divine maternity of Mary at the Council of Ephesus in 431, Pope Sixtus III consecrated a basilica in Rome in honor of the Blessed Virgin, which was later called St. Mary Major. It's the oldest church dedicated to Our Lady in the world. <clears throat> if you were watching recently when Pope Francis was discharged from hospital. On his way back to the Vatican, he passed by St. Mary Major to make a short little pilgrimage to Our Lady to thank her for his health and his convalescence. Every time that he goes out of Rome on an international trip, he also passes by that basilica. And he goes there carrying a little bouquet of flowers, nothing big, something small, something he can carry himself. And he places it on the altar in front of Our Lady. It's a rather beautiful childlike gesture of Marian piety, something we can all learn from. Today's feast is also known as the Feast of Our Lady of the Snows. Due to an ancient legend about a Roman who asked Our Lady's guidance on how best to use his fortune. And in the early hours of August 5th, in the middle of the Roman summer, Our Lady told him in a dream to build a church in her honor <coughs> Whenever, wherever he found snow on the Esquiline Hill, one of the hills of Rome. That same morning, snow appeared miraculously on the site where the Basilica of St. Mary Major now stands. 
And every year on August 5th in the evening time, some people go up onto a little parabetra balcony that there is in a side altar there where the image of Our Lady is, and they throw out white rose petals that fall to the ground, imitating that fall of snow so many centuries ago. It's one of those little beautiful details that Rome is full of. And so today we celebrate the dedication of this basilica, the oldest and most venerable church in the Western world consecrated to Our Lady. Many events in the history of the church have taken place there. That particular basilica also houses the relics of the crib in which our Lord was born in Bethlehem. St. Matthias lies beneath the altar of the crib. The body of St. Jerome is also buried somewhere there. St. Ignatius of Loyola celebrated his first mass there. The Dalmatic worn by St. Thomas of Canterbury when he was struck down in the cathedral is also there upon which blood stains are visible. And so it's full of history. It was built in the fourth century, shortly after the Council of Ephesus ended. The people of the city of Ephesus celebrated with enormous enthusiasm the official declaration of the truth that they had long believed and joy spread throughout the church. And so in Rome, this enormous basilica was, was built. That Council of Ephesus defined Our Lady as the, as the Mother of God. And so this was, well, a very special event in the history of the church and in the history of the world. And the faithful in Rome have honored Our Lady in that basilica under the invocation of Salus Populi Romani, the health of the Roman people. She's the patroness of Rome. And they come as to a place where their petitions are always heard to ask favours and graces. John Paul II also paid a visit to Our Lady there just after his election to the pontificate. On that occasion, he said, Mary is called to lead all people to the Redeemer and to bear witness to him without words, through love alone, in a way that shows her motherly disposition. Blessed are those that hear the word of God and keep it. Mary was always hearing the word of God. She was continually keeping all these things in her heart, meditating on that word, responding to that word. And she's called to draw even those who offer stubborn resistance, the ones for whom it's more difficult to believe in Christ's love. And so the vocation of Mary is to bring each person closer to her son, 
And so at her feet, John Paul II offered the mother of God his whole life and deepest desires, totus tuus, a dedication that each one of us can also make, imitating him as good children imitate their parents. And so he said to Our Lady, I am yours, I'm all yours, and everything I have is yours. May you be my guide in everything. And so with Our Lady as our protectress, <coughs> me will always advance with a sure step along our way. The mystery of the incarnation has allowed the church to penetrate and shed ever more light on the mystery of the mother of the word incarnate. And for that reason, the Council of Ephesus in 431 was of particular importance. St. Cyril of Alexandria describes how from the first hours of the morning until evening, all the people of the city of Ephesus anxiously awaited the outcome. When it was known that the author of the blasphemies, Nestorius, had been deposed, all as one began to glorify God and acclaim the synod, since the enemy of the faith had fallen. On leaving the church, we were accompanied, he said, to our homes by torchlight. It was nighttime, the whole city was joyful and brilliantly lit up. And so we can see that the faith of the people of Ephesus was strong and vibrant. In a homily given a short time later, St. Cyril praised the motherhood of Mary. Hail Mary, he said, mother of God, blessed virgin mother, morning star. Hail Mary, most precious jewel of the whole world. St. Thomas Aquinas, says that as the mother of God, her dignity is in a certain sense infinite on account of the limitless goodness of God. Similarly, greater dignity than hers there cannot be, just as there cannot be any greater than God. She's above all the angels and saints in dignity. And after the sacred humanity of her son, she is that part of creation which is the purest reflection of the glory of God. In her, as in no other creature, shines a participation in the divine gifts. Wisdom, beauty, goodness. There is no stain in her. She's a reflection of eternal light the immaculate mirror of the action of God and an image of his goodness. And so we could try to remember today her divine motherhood, the root of all her graces, virtues and perfections. St. Bernard says that Mary is the channel through which we daily receive the grace we require 
she can always we can always turn to her since it is the will of the Lord who wants us to obtain everything at his mother's hands particularly when we find ourselves in the midst of special difficulties or temptations and so like little children we need to have recourse to her as often as we can for our spiritual needs and also for our bodily needs. The spiritual motherhood of Mary reached a climax next to her son on Calvary. When all have fled, our lady remains beside the cross standing suffering and co-redeeming in perfect conformity with the will of God. Most blessed still are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And so the Second Vatican Council says she's not a purely passive instrument in the hands of God, but cooperates in the salvation of men with free faith and obedience. And she continues to exercise her loving maternity unremittingly. And now in heaven, it says she has not given up this salvific activity, but through her constant intercession continues to obtain for us the gift of eternal salvation. We can thank our Lord for giving us such a mother, his own mother, Son, behold your mother. Look at your mother. And never stop looking at her. He gives us his own mother to help us to draw close to the life of grace. She loves us as any earthly mother. She never stops looking at us because he has told her to look at your child. Behold your child. And so the spiritual motherhood of Mary goes very far. She engenders us in the supernatural order. The power to become sons and daughters of God, to participate in the divine nature, has been given to us thanks to the redemptive action of Christ who forms us in his own likeness, a factioning that comes through Mary. A lady stood up at a get-together with St. Josemaria once and said that every day when she's going to Mass, she says to her three or four-year-old daughter, I'm going to receive Jesus. And every day she would say that to the child. And one day the child said, and will you receive Mary also? And this lady said to St. Josemaria, Father, what should I tell my daughter? And St. Josemaria had to think for a moment. It wasn't one of the usual questions that he was often asked. And after a moment, he replied that, well, in a way, yes, because the body of Christ before was the body of Mary. The blood of Christ before was the blood of Mary. And so in a certain sense, when we receive Jesus, 
we receive Mary also. And so through her intercession, we receive all the spiritual nourishment that we need every day. Defense against our enemies, consolation in our sufferings. In the eyes of Our Lady, we never cease to be little ones. She shows us the way to the kingdom of heaven, which is for those who become small children. Unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so we need to stay attentively by her side, like little children who never like to be far from their mother, to let her be out of sight. By constantly having recourse to her, telling her loving things, showing her our affection, pondering the scenes of our life on earth, sharing our struggles with her, our successes and failures. In this way, sharing our life with her, contemplating the mysteries of her earthly existence. We discover the meaning of the traditional Marian prayers of the church as if we were reciting them for the first time. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. The Hail Mary and the Angelus are loving praises of her divine motherhood. We remind her of her vocation as a mother, something that she likes to be reminded of with great frequency. When we say the rosary, our minds and our hearts reflect on the mysteries of Mary's admirable life, which at the same time are the mysteries of our faith. St. Maria says, as the feasts of Our Lady come round each year, may we not be sparing in the details of affection we show her. We raise our hearts to her more often and ask her for what we need. We give thanks for her constant motherly care and entrust those we love to her. Naturally, though, if we really, really want to act as good children, every day is a good occasion in which to express affection for those who really love one another. And so we could say to her, as the hymn in Latin says, Monstra te show yourself to be a mother. Show yourself in all your motherly ways that you're there to help us and the feast of our lady of snows is particularly associated with the virtue of purity our souls are called to be snow white in the vision of of christ blessed are the clean of heart for they shall see god mary may you teach us to be to love the Lord our God with all our heart, keep our heart clean, 
to see the positive meaning of this virtue. It's a joyful affirmation, a direct consequence of our love for God and souls. St. Jose Maria, I'd like to say that when you decide firmly to lead a clean life, your chastity won't be a burden, but a victorious crown. And so we need to place the means for this love to grow each day. Take care of all the aspects in which we need to live this virtue. If that virtue is to be made up of positive details, and if it is to be a virtue, then it has to grow and to be perfected. For its relationship with the love with the capital L means that it can always admit of development. Mary help us to grow in this virtue, take care of it, to guard our heart with seven boats, to call things by their name, and to defend ourselves in the face of everything that could be a danger to our fidelity, which is what any person in love does. There's a story told of Pope John the Twenty-Third, who before he became Pope was a nuncio in Turkey and also in France. And he had to attend many diplomatic dinners with all sorts of diplomats. And on one occasion, he was seated close to a lady who was very badly dressed. And there was a bowl of fruit in the center of the table. And after the first course of the dinner, he took up an apple and he handed it to her. And she looked at him a bit surprised, said, Your Excellency, I didn't ask for any fruit. He said, Madam, it was only after Eve ate the apple that she realised what she was wearing. And so sometimes we have to be very clear. We should defend ourselves and other people, defend the environment of our home care with television programs, having a sensitive conscience or movies. If we wouldn't bring children to a red light district of the city, well then we shouldn't bring that red light district into our living room. And so we have to try and flee from all occasions of sin. If your hand is an occasion of sin to you, cut it off. If you're just like the alcoholic, as to plan carefully his journey home, to avoid that street where that hotel is, because I know there's a bar there and there are bottles in that bar. His battle or her battle begins the moment she begins to leave the office, choosing the route home. It doesn't begin when he's entering the lobby of the hotel. We have to fight our battles far away from the walls of the fortress. And so we need to be aware of unnecessary temptations. The devil, we're told in scripture, is like a lion ready to pounce. When people are driving along the roads, they meet with traffic policemen, traffic lights, yellow lines, one-way streets, no parking zones. All these seem to be a nuisance and limitations on our freedom. But in fact, they favour the driver. 
because they help them to drive with greater security and pleasure. We need to be protected against our own weaknesses. And we all know how weak we can be. We also don't know how weak others can be in certain moments. And so we can't trust ourselves or think we're strong or think other people are strong. We can't allow ourselves to get into compromising situations. And for that, we have to have foresight, to be clever and have the courage to flee if things go wrong. Because we know we have feet of clay. We carry this treasure in earthenware vessels, says St. Paul. St. Thomas Aquinas defines curiosity. He says that curiosity is a defect of our mind, which inclines us with eagerness and precipitation towards the study of less useful subjects, making us neglect the things of God and our salvation. This curiosity is born of spiritual sloth and makes us lose precious time like a mania for collecting useless data. St. John of the Cross calls it stupid intellectual curiosity and is the inverse of contemplation. And so in this battle, we often need to give importance to what is small. Often the devil enters through small things, little Lacks of struggle here or there, little negligences in things that could be important. And so those small points that may be so small as not to appear important to us. That's where the battles have to be fought in the guarding of our eyes, in the things we read, in entertainment, in dealing with people of the opposite sex, in certain conversations. These may be small things with no apparent importance, but if left unchecked, they can do all sorts of terrible things. And so Blessed Alvaro says, whoever struggles to guard their senses, not only sight, but also, for example, hearing, whoever is prudent in dealing with their colleagues at work, shunning frivolity, not giving in in what is incompatible with the demands of love, not striving to create a good impression at any cost. Whoever is sincere with God and with themselves and in spiritual direction, recognizing perhaps that their heart harbors an affection that does not belong to God. And if they follow the advice they receive, cutting things off radically from the start with ordinary or extraordinary means, that person will not fail. They will be faithful to their Christian vocation. And so we can seek our consolation and our strength in Christ, receiving Holy Communion as often as we can the great medicine for our soul, the bread of life.
helps us to be strong in temptation. Our devotion to the Blessed Sacrament can help us to drive out diabolic attachments with the expulsive force of a new love as we begin again. Tell Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus, I love you. Increase my love. Teach me how to love you more and more. And we can seek the forgiveness of our merciful Lord in the confessional. And turn also with greater frequency to Our Lady of Snows, asking her to make our soul pure and clean, like a snowflake. The mother of fair love will help us. She'll help us to overcome the many temptations of the flesh and to live holy purity as she lived it so perfectly with Saint Joseph. And so we're told in the forge, whenever you feel the stirrings of your poor flesh, which sometimes attacks with violent assaults, kiss your crucifix. Kiss it many times with firm resolve, even if it seems you're doing so without love. And he says, because we shall always have to put up with this little donkey, which is our body, in order to conquer sensuality, you have to practice daily and generously little mortifications, and sometimes big ones as well. And you must live in the presence of God, who never ceases to watch over you. And so we could ask Our Lady of the Snows, Salus Populi Romani, health of the Roman people, that we might also have that recourse to her like we see Pope Francis doing, at the end of his life, like a little child. Mary, may we also go to you with little flowers, simple little things that we can carry, very personal, very intimate, so that we may learn to, we may learn to love you more and ask you to help us in living the virtue of purity a little better. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations that you have communicated to me during this meditation. I ask your help to put them into practice. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.